Court is now in session. What is your business with the court, sir? Uh, yes, Your Honor. I have been charged with the inability to manage conflict in my marriage, and I'd like to defend myself. So you're the offender? The offended. All right, uh, do you have your attorney present with you? He does not have counsel, Your Honor. In fact, he pretty much just does things the way he wants without regard to how it affects other people. Accuse him before it's even your turn. Uh, you must be the prosecutor. Uh, well... Yes! Uh, you get it, right? <laughs> and I get that that is not a good way to deal with conflict resolution, and I am working on that behavior, but apparently it's not good enough for my wife's high standards. So to answer your question, while she thinks she speaks for me, I will be representing myself. And what a fine job you're doing, sir. Let me ask you, how do you typically handle conflict? That will, huh? Well, apparently I can't say anything right, so I just go dark, stealth, under the radar. Otherwise known as a silent treatment? Tell me, are you easily offended, sir? <laughs> he is, Your Honor, by everything. I have documents to prove this. Ma'am, you'll get your turn. Well, doesn't the prosecutor usually go first? Order. Your Honor, I'm being helpful. Your Honor, does this seem helpful to you? because that's what she says at home right before I start getting yelled at. All right, let's try this from a different angle. Let's talk about your wife's problems. Buckle up, Your Honor. She is kind of an overachiever. Sure, because nothing kills a marriage like overachieving. Prosecutor, what are your charges? Wait, <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of harsh? I'm just here to make a point. It's not like I'm charging him with his inability to discuss things. Well, you're, you're certainly overachieving it. Please present your evidence to the court. Wait, that's it? It seems like so much more when we're arguing. That's because I've presented it a few dozen hundred ways. How do you answer these charges, sir? Your Honor, I love my wife. It's just... When I try to get us out of an argument, I just dig us in deeper. What are you trying to say? Just to interpret, I think he was uh, blaming himself and saying he loves you. That's Rob's brother. He's a hopeless romantic. This is awesome. You can do it. One Corinthians 13. <laughs> Look, I can be stubborn when it comes to discussing how wrong he is. She's covert, I'll give her that. Hey, can, can I say something on her behalf? Sir, you can't testify for the prosecution. Let him speak. Bossy, too. First of all, this is an amazing woman. She's not bossy. She's confident. And second, I'm sorry. And third, I went to bed angry and I shouldn't have. Honey, I should be the one who needs to say sorry. When I'm in a fight, I'm in it to win it, and that's not right. 
so guilty of it. Technically, I'm the only one who can say who's guilty. I think it's a tie. You seriously don't get the way he is. Shush! My husband has the floor. Do we really need a court to solve this problem? <gasps> I just had the worst dream. Me too. You know, you guys really shouldn't let the sun go down on your anger. Your brother needs to move out. No, come on. You guys need me. Out. Now. Nope. Mm -mm. I thought we could use a little bit of humor before we, we got into our, our uh, teaching this morning. But before we do get into it, uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us here at our uh, 10 o'clock service at New Harvest Norwalk. Those of you watching online, thank you also so much for joining us. We appreciate uh, you very much. And if there are any first-time guests here this morning, you are welcome here at our church. Uh, we thank you for being here at our church. We have a VIP guest area that we have made available for our first-time guests and their family and friends. So if you are a first-time guest, you're more than welcome to join us in that VIP guest area. The way to get there, as you exit the sanctuary, through the double doors, take a left through another set of double doors, and someone will be there to greet you and welcome you. So church, let them know we appreciate them. If there are any first-time guests here, this morning, praise God. Well, um, I want to thank my lovely wife, Nancy, for joining me this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to a good time uh, of, of uh, teaching and, and uh, joining together and, and sharing our experiences, some of the things that obviously we have experienced. It's going to be this June. 54 years that we have been married, and, and so we count that a blessing uh, to be able to, to be here and share with you. And a lot of these things that we're going to be talking about have, have come from our experiences because by no means are we perfect, you know. And, you know, we've gone through the, the, the years of transition in raising three children. Uh, they're all adults now and, and uh, now as grandparents uh, through the, the transition of life and being in ministry and, and pioneering churches and starting planting churches, etc. and so on, that through all of those different journeys in our life and different, different um, I guess, kind of lifestyles that we had to uh, fit ourselves into uh, as Christians and as pastors, that God has seen us through everything. And, and he has made it possible for us to be here this morning to be able to share some of those experiences and some of the things that we've learned. And so it's, it's not impossible for uh, marriages to, to, to last and to, and we have several marriages here, probably some that have been longer, married longer than us. How many have been married longer than 54 years? Lift your hand. Anyone, anyone here longer than 54 years? Do we see them? Ushers, help me out in the balcony, in the main sanctuary. No? Okay, so I guess we are the oldies but goodies here, babe. Praise God. But 
it's not impossible for, for marriages to be successful. And, and just let me put this in here also, is that we're going to be talking about couples, marriage, relationship, and, and some of the things that, that hinder and, and obviously the things that build. But this can also be applied to friendships through, through, uh, because the same things that will destroy a marriage relationship will also uh, destroy a friendship and, and, and divide that uh, un union that God wants to, to, to bless. And so uh, whatever category you find yourself in as a, uh, a, a couple, married couple, maybe uh, a single, that you were married at one time but not now, or, or just maybe a single person who's never been married, you're, you're going to be able to find things that are going to help you uh, through this uh, study. And so the, the ultimate goal, we have, uh, we've entitled it the Love Bank, as we've been advertising, and I borrowed my, my granddaughter's little piggy bank here that thinks she has more in there than we have in our account, and so it's just, people just keep putting stuff in, the money in there. But the ultimate goal this morning, and we're going to pray uh, to, to start off uh, this, this uh, uh, I guess, seminar and teaching this morning. So if you would help join my wife and I uh, in prayer as we begin. Father, this morning I ask you for your wisdom from above. I ask you, Father God, for uh, your guidance through your word. And Lord, as we share some of our experiences, and Father, that through this teaching that we have here this morning, that you would use that to encourage those who, who may be in trouble, those who may be searching for guidance and understanding with regard to where they are in life. I pray, Lord, that you get control of this time together and that you help us all to put aside our wants and desires and help us this morning to be an empty vessel that you can fill right now with your wisdom and with your, uh, your, your guidance this morning. I pray that your name be exalted above every name. In Jesus' name, I thank you. And we all say, amen. amen. Praise God. The ultimate goal this morning is to help couples, if that's the case, fall back in love. And what I mean by fall back in love, we're going to be taking a look at what it was that caused you to fall in love in the first place, to help you to restore broken relationships if that's the case, and to build and strengthen the bond of unity that God wants to, to bring into that marriage relationship or into that friendship. That's the ultimate objective. And so it is possible to stay in love through, throughout uh, the, the years and, and, until God comes back. It, it is possible to keep that love relationship building, you know, and uh, we, we have to fight for that. And we go through battles. We've gone through our battles. You know, how could you not, through 54 years, uh, go th not go through, through battles, a lot of the stuff you guys deal with, um, as, as well as ministry issues f filtering into our marriage relationship. And so we've had to learn uh, through God and through prayer to find the balance and, and to make sure that 
we keep our focus, and that focus has to be on, on God and our relationship and destiny that he has for us. And so we're going to start off because we're talking about love and, and how to maintain love in your relationship. And my wife wants to read, um, I guess you're going to read out of the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, here you go. This, you're going to use this. First Chapter number Corinthians 13. 13. Um, what was happening in the churches is that God was giving them gifts and they were fighting over whose gift was better than whose. And anyway, um, what happened in the middle of chapter 12 and chapter 14 is chapter 13. And in there, this is the love chapter because he was trying to get them to understand. I'm just going to read bits and pieces. But um, they've never learned to love. Then I am nothing. And if I were to be so generous as to give everything I owed uh, to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. So he was telling them that his gifts are nothing compared to his love. And if I were to be generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing of value. Love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and constantly kind. I want you to think of the person that you think the least of. Let's put it that way. And as I go through these, think of that person. How do you treat them? What do you think about them? What do you say about them? And he goes on to say, love never stops loving. And he says, yet love surpasses them all, all the gifts. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. So here's the Apostle Paul saying, Love is the price. That's, that's the prize that we're looking for. And we just got back where all the kids were competing with each other and they all received their medals. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking of us with love. Amen. And she was reading that on which version were you reading that from, babe? Oh, uh, passion. The passion version. And it gives another, a little bit of a different perspective on love and, and how it, it affects our relationship. So let's just look at now love as we've been talking about it. What is love? And, and Sister Nancy read the different characteristics of love according to the Word of God. But uh, love is, uh, has different emotions uh, attached to it. 
And uh, when you, you look up love and you do studies on love, there are the three types of love that are, are most often spoken about are the agape love, God's love, the phileo love, that's a fellowship kind of love. Then there's the eros love, which is the rom romantic kind of love or sensual love. And what I want to look at, or we want to look at this morning are the two. The first one is, is the um, uh, eros love. And uh, I want to look at, secondly, the uh, agape love. So number one is romantic love. Romantic love. It's a Greek word, uh, ro romance, for uh, eros. It's, and it's, it's what causes uh, a male and female. And, you know, I will, I guess, um, lay the foundation that here in our church, in our ministry and fellowship, uh, we believe that God created man and woman uh, in his likeness, in his image. And so when I'm talking about marriage uh, and love and, and um, genders, I'm talking about um, a man that God created to love a woman and a woman that God created to love a man in that context this morning. And so romantic love is uh, what caused that irresistible attraction uh, in you when you first uh, met your spouse, if you're married, that one of the opposite sex. Um, it's that uh, kind of romance love. And the Bible doesn't talk about eros, doesn't have, it doesn't mention that, uh, but it, it does describe that kind of love in the Song of Solomon. And as you look at the Song of Solomon, and you know, as I was preparing for this, um, I was going through it, I'm kind of looking, am I reading the Bible here or what? Because it becomes pretty descriptive uh, as, as, as far as the, the romantic kind of love that is spoken about in, in that, that book. And so the, the romantic kind of love is the kind you experience when you uh, first uh, met your spouse. Can you remember that love? Anybody in here? See, that's why we're doing this seminar. Because there was only a few amens. And I know we have more married couples in here than just a few. And so it, it, well, we need to understand that it, it's going to take both those kinds of love, the, the Eros kind, uh, kind of love, romantic romance, as well as God's love if the marriage is going to last and if the marriage is going to be successful. It's the romantic love that gave you that feeling when you first saw them. And, and yes, there's a, a physicality involved in it because that's part of romance. That's part of what it was that caused you to want to uh, get to know that person in, in, a, in a better way. It's, it's, it was part that romantic feeling that caused you to want to think about what it would be like to live the rest of your life with that person. That's romance, and that's critical that uh, we keep that uh, in our relationship. Did you want to say something about that? No. I can tell. I can tell. I get the vibes. <laughs> no, I laugh because my mom, uh, when I was dating Richard, she said, are you in love or what? And I said, no, why, Mom? You know, and I'm trying to hide it. And she says, well, you're putting the milk in the cupboard and you're putting the sugar in the refrigerator and you've never done that before. And I went, ugh. She was in love. I was in love too. 
That's why we're still here. It was romantic, you know? I mean, it was romantic. You guys got to remember that somewhere along the line, you know what that's about. You know what that means in your own personal life. And, and, and the sad thing is, and we're going to get, get into it. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but you, you got to fight for that, man. I don't care how old you are. You got to fight for that. Because when, when this leaves, unfortunately, you know, it's possible to stay married for a long time. But when that, that aspect goes out, that's why we see marriages that, that aren't enduring and they don't last and they just fade out. So let me get on to the next type of love I want to look at. And that's called caring love. Caring love. This kind of love is not a romantic kind of love for the most part. It's not based on, on feelings like romantic love or romance, but it's, it's based on a decision. This kind of love is based on a decision to take personal responsibility to meet somebody else's need. And in a marriage, it's your partner's uh, need to meet. That's, that's this kind of caring love that's important. We call it agape love, God's love. It's a kind of love that uh, is gracious. It's constantly seeking, as we heard in, in, in Corinthians 13, to meet and to help someone else. It's that kind of love, to benefit someone else. And so caring love, listen, caring love is what causes a person to want to spend and uh, the rest of their lives uh, with their spouse. It's caring love because you, you've, because of God, had that, that sense of responsibility is there and doesn't leave like, you know, if, and, and you know, maybe you, before you were saved, you've, you've dated a couple of times. I'm, I'm sorry, before you were married, you dated before you finally married the one you're with. And we're not going to get into that because I don't want any fights. <laughs> but maybe there was someone you were romantically involved with. Maybe not obviously physically, but romantically. And, and you know, you moved on maybe. And, and that's what romance does. It, it basically, it's not really enduring. But when you attach caring love to that romantic kind of love, now that is what brings longevity into a, uh, a successful marriage relationship. Because I'll tell you, caring love, when romance is done, when the physical part is done, when the looks are gone and, and the wrinkles come and the teeth come out, and whatever else is, is, is not real begins to, to be put on, on the dresser. <laughs> it's going to be caring love that's going to keep you there through the difficult times of your marriage. That's the bottom line. And we, we find that that because caring love has, has, has not along with romance, you know, people get stuck on romance. Well, she's not romantic anymore. He's not romantic anymore. Okay. You know, maybe it's hard now. You know, maybe it doesn't come as easy as it used to come. 
but they still love you. They still are caring for you. And too many people base their relationship, their marriage relationship, just on romance. And, and, and when, when they don't sense that, you know, you don't bite me less anymore. And he doesn't, she doesn't do this for me anymore. It's like, okay. But there's still that caring God's love there. And that, what, what, what is, is keeps that relationship strong and enduring. And we're going to look into some of the ways we can rebuild, if that's the case, the, the romance. And uh, so there we are. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Anything you'd like to say about that in that point there? Okay, so let's take a look at the bank. We've got this bank. It's the bank, the piggy bank, the love bank. You see, in the beginning of our marriage and friendships, if that is the case, and you know, you have a good friendship with somebody, the bank is full. It's, 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 it's there, and, and, and you know, we've gone through the romance, and et cetera, and so on, and you know, or the initial encounter, and that, that bank is full. And we need to understand that this love bank, our love bank, is an emotional bank. It's filled with emotions. And listen, our emotions keep track of how we are treated. Don't we do that? We're emotional people, and it's our emotions that keep track of people and how they treat us. And everybody in our love bank has an account, whether it's your husband, your wife, your, your children, your friends, each one of them have an account in our love bank. And uh, those are called units. When we make deposits into that love bank, they are called units. And uh, you either deposit a unit, a love unit. I love you. You look nice today. Boy, Aubrey's going to be rich by the time this is over. <laughs> or you withdraw a love unit. You know, you, you really didn't do a good job today on my dinner. You know, I mean, you know, I, I, why did you say that in front of all these people? You embarrassed me. What's wrong with you? I've told you before. There it goes. Love units, you either deposit or you withdraw from your bank. People stay in love when you deposit those love units. They stay in love. Your emotions trigger a feeling, they must really care about me because they, they're, they're treating me like they love me. They're helping me through my difficulties. They're not putting me down. And those are deposits that go into our love bank. But yet, the opposite works. And when we start making withdrawals, and we keep making withdrawals, and we keep, instead of depositing, we take away. And we take away. And we take away. And what begins to happen is that we're like two snakes in a bag. And we begin to go at each other because there's no more love that's being deposited 
in our love bank, we begin to hate the person instead of love them. Because how many know hate is as real as love is? Can we be honest this morning? Can we be honest? Hate is as real an emotion as love is. And it's how we handle the love bank and the deposits or withdrawals that we make that are going to determine whether our spouse, our friends, are going to continue to love us and, 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 and be encouraged by us, or they're going to start to hate us because we're constantly nagging, constantly coming against them, constantly putting them down. Because over a period, in a marriage, those constant withdrawals that we make are going to outnumber the deposits that we're making, and eventually we're going to end up in an emotional divorce. And what that is, an emotional divorce is, is that you're still married, you are still living and still in the same house, and you are still what is called husband and wife, but in your heart, you are emotionally divorced. Why? Because the caring part of love is gone. Because God's caring, agape, I, what, what can I do for you kind of love has, is missing now. Real honest conversation are no longer taking place. Friendship is no longer there simply because we've withdrawn those units that are supposed to be the love units being deposited. Instead, now, we're hurting each other. Anything you would like to, to respond there in that, in that place? No. No? Uh, no? Okay, so let's take a look then at, at what the, these withdrawals. They have a name. We call them love busters because that's what they do. They are love busters. What's a love buster? Well, number one, demands. How many know what a demand is? Husband, your wife isn't the domestic help in your home. She's not the paid maid or servant. But sometimes, as husbands, we have a tendency to begin to demand things from our wives that we can do ourselves, like Can I get any examples here? What husbands can we do? Okay, okay, look, you guys know what you need to do. You guys know what you need to do, but the question is, help are you doing it? That's the question. Because when you stop doing what you were shouting, you start making withdrawals. And you start placing demands on your, 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 your wife. And we're talking about husbands right now. And then, wife, your husband isn't your employee. Did you fix the garbage disposal yet? What, what are some of the other things there? 
Oh. Okay, we know. We know those things, don't we? And we make the withdrawals. And, and, and we treat each other like servants and employees rather than husband and wife. We make demands. Then there is the disrespect love buster. And that one, I'm starting to hear the O's and, and O's. What is disrespect? What, what is that? What is that involved? Disrespect involves contempt. You ever have contempt for somebody? You just don't, uh, you know, I could care less whether you go or stay. Who cares? I don't care. That's contempt. Insulting words, belittling, not giving their ideas the worth. You know, honey, what if we. Ah, You know, but I think this, no, nah, I don't want to hear it. That's disrespect. Those are love busters. And what they do is you make withdrawals from that love bank. And the love bank, remember, is emotional. And we're emotional people. And we remember those withdrawals that are being made. Disrespect is huge. How about anger? That's a love buster, isn't it? Anger. So many times, over the smallest things, the most insignificant things, we make withdrawals from the love, the, the love bank because we've gotten angry over something that is not even worth this dollar. It's not even worth a coin that is in this piggy bank. There are times... When we become angry with our spouse, and if not careful, anger just begins to seem normal. And they're angry all the time, always mad about something. <laughs> hey, how was your day? <laughs> hey, did you hear about that? And, and there's just, it's always anger that seems to, to spew out from, from your life. And nobody wants to be around angry people. Do you want to be around angry people? I don't want to be around angry people. And the hardest time sometimes is I have to be around myself. Because I have to deal with anger in, in my own life. We all have to deal with that. And anger is a love buster. It destroys the love deposit you made the, 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 maybe the, the day before, four or five hours before. And anger com comes up, there's a withdrawal. How about dishonesty in a marriage or relationship? Dishonesty is a huge love buster. Never lie. Or be dishonest to your spouse because it destroys trust and will bring into question everything else you say or you do. Even your love that you say you have, well, does it really mean that? Or is she lying to me again? Is he lying to me again? It's a withdrawal when you uh, lie to your spouse. And even to a friend. We've all been there. Then there's independent behavior. It's a love buster. 
What is independent behavior? In a, in a marriage, it's excluding your spouse from in, important decisions that you make. I remember I might have shared this uh, one time. Uh, I was out with, with uh, I'm not going to say their, their uh, role in the church, but I was out with someone who was at a high level of ministry in the church, and we were out driving, and he decided to stop and look at cars. And so we stopped and looked at a car, and he liked it, and, oh, this is cool, yeah, I like it, yeah, well, that's good. So I figured, well, he's going to go home and get his wife, come back and get the car. So I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the salesperson comes back with all the paperwork, and he signs the paperwork, leaves a deposit, goes home with the car. And I said, okay, I'll see you later, because I ain't going to be in the house when you get home. You know, they say that um, <laughs> men make big purchases, but women make a lot of little purchases. And if they add it up, they're both equal. That's what statistics show. So that means that you have to let me know about the little purchases you make. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have to let you know about the computer I bought. <laughs> yes. No, one time, um, and you know, it was maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, and I could tell that my husband was upset, but I didn't know why. And I told him, you're upset with me, aren't you? And he said, no. And anyway, he had to fly up north. And anyway, I was in the house, and next thing I knew, he came back. And I was like shocked. I said, aren't you preaching tonight? And he said, no. And I said, why? And he said, because when I left, we were both angry. And I because I could tell he was upset about something. He said, well, there's something that I want to purchase. And it wasn't enormous, but, you know, it wasn't just a regular thing. And I said, well, what is it? And then when he told me, I told him, go buy it. And so a lot of times I'm the cheapie in the house. You know, everything's cheap and all this and that. But my husband hardly ever buys anything for himself. And when he does, it, it costs. So I thought, oh, well, let's do it. And it was over, the anger. Right. And I caught another flight to go back out. <laughs> I, you know, we have to learn, and we're going to talk about that. And I don't want to jump ahead to my next uh, one of my points. But we have to learn, the word's called negotiate and with love. And we have to learn to, to, to be honest with each other. And that's, that's part of being able to open up. And you, you do that um, when, when you, you care about making sure that that marriage is, is not going to come to a place where that little thing will destroy it. And you have to be willing to talk about it. And, and we all have those areas in our lives where uh, we, we, we have to be careful. Okay, let's move on. Um, 
uh, we're talking about independent behavior, neglect, neglecting people, that is a, a love buster, not giving people, your spouse, the time they need, neglecting attention to them, etc., and so on. And so um, this is the point that I want to, to, to come up with, that we understand those things that destroy and cause withdrawals rather than deposits, we need to understand that there are parts of our personality that are always going to be at odds with each other. Nancy is as different as the sun and the moon from me, and I'm as different the same way as from her, and, and that's just the way God created us, and it's the same way with friendships and obviously with marriages, and we need to learn each other's likes, dislikes, and, and, and character, flaws, etc., and so on, and we have to learn to adjust to them, and so it's called giving and taking, givers and takers. That's what we have to be. We have to become givers and takers. Time when you have to give in, and there's time when you're able to get. That's just the bottom line. Yes. And, and it can't gonna... always be my way or the highway. Yeah, and concerning being considerate with his family and her family. Um, I've heard from women, and I just kind of sit there. Let me give you a big, big, big hint, and maybe half of you will walk out right now. But women, your biggest asset is his mother. His mother is your biggest ass asset because... Be nice to her, she'll always love you and respect you. But if you go in like, I'm the woman and he's mine and you're not mama's anymore, forget it, doesn't work. Trust me, it doesn't work. I made up my mind early in life that I was gonna adore his mom as much as I adored him. I treated her with total respect. I have five brothers. They're as crazy and nutty as they come. Except for Pastor Sergio. Sorry, you're watching Pastor Sergio. Including sure Pastor Sergio. <laughs> Including him. Just ask Tony and me. We'll tell you the truth. But all my brothers, he loves them, he respects them to the hilt, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, his mom lived with us for 40 years, and I thought the day she's gone, I'm going to bawl my eyes out. But I was so happy to know that she was with the Lord. Amen. Brought me much joy. So givers and takers, and what happens when we don't learn that process of giving and taking, because that's what marriage is all about. That's what relationship building is all, all about. There are times when you give and a time when you're able to receive. That's, that's just the way it works out. So learn that in your marriage, because if you don't, you're going to be miserable and you're going to be resentful, because that's what happens when, when, when you're, always, you're always, you know, take giving, 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 somewhere along the line, you're going to become a resentful person. Resentment is what happens. It means bitter, you're going to dislike, and eventually hate that person. The, the end result is going to be conflict. 
fighting. Where James asks, where uh, wars come from? Where does your conflict come from? And he, he, he talks about the different aspects and attitudes of, of our character and nature. And, you know, it goes back to the second kind of love is God's love, God's caring love. When that's in operation, then we're not going to allow ourselves to become bitter. We're not going to allow ourselves to become selfish and always wanting things to be our way because we'll want to know what can we do to help and to make things better for our partner, our, our husband, wife, our friend. Conflict gives us the idea of battle and fighting. And we need to learn to resolve uh, uh, productively, with, you know, lovingly, the conflict that, that may occur that, that, that uh, we can begin to heal that, those areas in our lives. What are some of the sources of conflict in, in a marriage? Career choice, choices sometimes cause conflict in a family, in a marriage. Time management, don't spend enough time doing this, too much time doing that, etc. and so on. Financial planning, spending money is a source of conflict in a marriage relationship. Raising kids. How many know that can be a source of conflict? Yes. Especially in blended families that we have to be careful when it comes to that, that aspect of, of family. That can be a source of conflict. And remember, we're talking about withdrawals. Love unit withdrawals. Conflict always withdraws. It never deposits Remember that. Yes. Obviously, intimate relationships. Sex can be a, a sense, a form of conflict. Friends and relatives, family can be a source of conflict. My wife kind of mentioned that. Infidelity, obviously, will be a source of conflict. And that's something that is uh, something that, that, that destroys marriages and families, but yet can be worked through with God's caring love, neglect, and so on. So let me close, let's close this out. Do you have something you oh, want to say? I, yeah, I did. Okay. Um, you know, I was in the kitchen the other day, and all of a sudden, God just spoke to my heart, and he said, you know your mom and dad, no, it was like your mom and dad tried to kill you. And I, all of a sudden, I stopped and I went, oh, my God, where did I get that thought? That's from the devil. And then I remembered that, yeah, um, my mom had my brother in January. She went for a six-week checkup, and I was on my way. Praise <laughs> and, the Lord. <laughs> and, and she was madder than mad because she was going to leave my dad because he was beating her. And anyway, she would tell friends, I threw myself out of trees. I did everything so that I'd lose, you know, my daughter. And so I was like, oh, well, you know. And I knew that something was weird in the family. But then when I was ready to come out of my mother's tummy, um, my dad got very mad because she went to my cousin's party. And when she got home, my dad beat her so bad, 
he thought he killed her. Well, that was her and me together. I hadn't been born yet. And so I would wonder, because the family would say, oh, yeah, Nancy and Fabio are married. I mean, uh, have the same birthday. And so I would think, why are they always mentioning that? Well, they were throwing it in my dad's face of what he had done to my mother. But, um, you know, girls, I'm talking to the girls that are not married. Know who you're marrying. Know his life and what he's like. Because my mom was totally ignorant to how wild my father was. She married him, he was a gangster from Bunker Hill. He had seven kids in the family. She didn't even know he had a brother or sister. And so all the brothers were gangsters and beating everybody up and it didn't stop. He did the same thing in his home and she had to deal with it. Don't go for sweet little sayings that they have and all this and that. Know who you're marrying. I only saw my mom beaten up when I was around two or three. My dad stopped doing that. But he left my mom when I was 13. And I thank God in the, his 50s, he came through this store, even though he hardly ever visited us, and accepted Christ in his life. Amen. Thank you. Fabio, by the way, is her cousin. That's who that was. Not the guy with the long blonde hair. That's... Staying in love, we're going to close out with staying in love. If you quit doing what caused you to be in love in the first place, then you're going to fall out of love. So we need to look at some goals for restoring romantic love. Romance, remember how we started off? Romance, eros, that kind of love. Very simple. Start depositing love units in your Spouses love bank. Love builders. Number one, affection. Start, start to show affection. There's a lot of ways for a man. His way of showing affection is like, how much time do I have? <laughs> a man's idea of affection is, is basically around sex. And that's, that's how a man thinks about affection. But a woman's is completely different. A woman's sense of affection, I'm not speaking for now. What, what do you define as affection? Let me ask you. Well, to be honest, I have no complaints. Richard's more affectionate than I am. But what do you, what do you describe? Oh, going, just you and I go for a drive or... Simple stuff. It's, yeah. it's, that, my point, it's not hard to be affectionate. Guys, it's easy to be affectionate. You make it so hard. You make it so expensive. 
I mean, going for a drive nowadays is like going to dinner, but, you know, still, it's okay. You can deal with it. <laughs> I tell people, I love California. I love where we live. I mean, we're like an hour from the beach, an hour from the mountains. I mean, we have it made, those who are living in L.A. and Orange. So there's a lot to do. It's, it's, it's be affectionate. Uh, That's right. Demonstrate your love to each other. Don't just say words. Show. That's what it means. Intimate conversation. For married couples, share with each other what's going on. That's, that's, that's a deposit right there in your personal life. Things that are important to you, share that with your spouse, your husband, or your wife. Maintain the romantic aspect of your relationship. Romance. Recreational companionship. That's another big deposit. What do you do recreationally with your husband or your wife? Entertaining things, fun things. When's the last time you did that? How often do you do that? Obviously, sexual fulfillment is one that is important in restoring the romance. So let's take a look at now restoring the romance as we wind this down. This is going to blow your minds. You're going to look at me like I'm crazy. But number one, you're going to have to learn to spend a minimum of 15 hours each week in undivided attention with each other. Okay? 15 hours a week with your spouse of undivided attention. Oh my gosh. I don't know if I can handle that, Pastor. I can barely spend five minutes, uh, 50 minutes in church. I got to spend 15 hours? Okay, how do we do that? Here we go. We got a chart there. There are 168 hours in one week. Take away the 15 hours that we just talked about, leaves you with 153 hours. You go to work 40 hours a week, that leaves you left with 113 hours in your life. Church, figure six hours a week, that leaves you with 107 hours in that week. Sleep, well, we go back and forth with that, but let's average it out to seven hours a day. 42 hours a week, which leaves you with 66 hours left in your week. So tell me now why you can't find 15 hours out of 66 hours to spend with your spouse undivided attention. There's no reason why you can't do that. The problem is that we do not discipline our lives and our time, and we allow all the junk and everything else to get in the way and for it, and the detriment to our relationship. And we wonder why some of our marriages are in trouble, because we're not paying attention. 
undivided attention. I'm not talking about watching TV and, 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 and your wife is in the room. That's time together. That's not what I'm talking about. You and her alone, someplace, if it's in your room, shut everything off. Communicate. If it's in your car, go for a drive and communicate. You can do it. There's no excuse why you can't have a successful marriage. No excuse. There's so many things that we can do to make those love deposits in our love bank that will keep us happy, fulfilled, and uh, keep us going in the direction God wants us to go in. There's lots of, lots of deposit or withdrawals we can make. But see, the choice is up to us. What I want to do. Do I want to take away? Or do I want to deposit? God created you and I, man and woman, as our worship team makes their way up this morning. Can I just of say course. something? Um, you know, I only told you that story about my dad, or God told me the story, or brought it to my remembrance again, was because he said, everybody in here wrote a book about your life. He wrote a book about mine from the time I was conceived. And he said, I had your whole life planned out. And no matter how distressed your mom was that she had gotten pregnant, all the fighting that went on with her and my dad, he said, I have a book written about you and everyone else in here whether you're saved or you're not saved. My job is to fulfill that book that God wrote for me. And you have a job too, whether you're saved or you're not. Get saved so you can fulfill yours. Every day, our angels, there's angels around us every day, and they're helping us to fulfill our commission that's here on earth. And I thank God for that. There's 